You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. This is Socks in the Basement. 30 minutes of socks for fans, by fans, and it is all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. You heard all about them right there at the beginning of the show. You've heard about them for years here on Socks in the Basement. They are hosting an installer job fair Saturday, the 26th of February. That is coming up 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. in Evergreen Park. Find out what they do, why they do it, and the services they provide. If you're looking to change careers or start a new one, join them on that day. Award-winning family business that is growing. Excellent benefit packages available and no sign-up necessary. Just bring your valid driver's license on the 26th to Family Waterproofing Solutions. Get more details at FamilyDry.com. All right, my friend, I, I'm pretty pumped up here because I'm feeling, I'm feeling the Hail Marys coming on. I see Rob Manfred yeah. up there, and he's telling us that they've agreed to certain things already, and and we're close, and I'm not ready to say spring training's going to be delayed, although I still think it's going to get delayed here. I don't I don't think they're going to get it done quite on time, but yeah, they're, he's, he's, he's confident they can turn it around. Yeah. You want to know what the difference is between now and 1994? Uh, now, you can actually see... People respond in real time on their social media to the team account. And you can actually get far more people talking about this than just the regular mainstream media who can get themselves distracted with other sports in town. And I think there's just a little bit of pressure. Not a lot. I don't think these billionaires really care about us. But when you send out... No, they don't. Yeah, no, they don't. When you send out something like what the White Sox did this week about single season tickets now available to fans, I wonder what the response was, right? I wonder if over the last week or so, other teams are seeing a similar response. Like, why would I give the White Sox money right now to hold? I'd be better off putting it in a bank and earning the piddliest little amount of interest on that money than giving it to them when I don't know when the game is going to be played and when they're going to resume. Like, why would I purchase anything from a baseball club at this point? without knowing whether or not they're going to pay the game. Take your money and, and use it to gamble. Go go buy an extra beer at the bar or just throw it in the bank or invest it someplace. But why would you give Jerry Reinsdorf your money to hold? You know, the, the, the whole idea that you're going to have a team sit there and let's not forget that it's the owners who lock the players out. But you're going to have these owners sit there and say, all right, uh, yeah, game tickets are on, va- are on sale. We're, we're ready to roll. Come on, let's go. And and still play this, I think it's more of this gamesmanship that they've been doing in the public. And that's why, you know, I, well, frankly, I, I, I vented enough on, on Socks on 35th.com and the Mismatched Socks blog this week. But frankly, that's where I've had a problem with this process is it's little things like this. An owner, and I'm sure other teams are doing this, putting season tickets and, and, and single game tickets on sale for a season that we don't know when it's going to start. We don't know if those games are going to get played. We don't know if they're going to reach an agreement, but it's trying to make it look like, Hey, if the players would only come and sign the agreement, 
we'd have these games, it's on them. See, we're selling tickets, we're so confident. I think it's that, it's a stupid mind game thing where they're making us pawns, and yes, I'm I'm mad enough to sit there and say, instead of giving Jerry Reinsdorf my money to hold for a game that may or may not get played, that I would much rather use it for something far more productive, like, I, I don't know what comes to mind, a giant vat of mayonnaise to dump over my head. <laughs> I mean, like, here's the thing, it, what's funny to me, the owners are acting now like they don't understand how it got so close to spring training without a deal. You're the idiots that took off 40 yeah. days and 40 nights. Like you went out into the desert, like you're Jesus in the Bible to go talk with the devil and be tempted. I mean, you're the ones that took off Hanukkah, Pearl Harbor Day, Wright Brothers Day, Christmas, Kwanzaa, New Year's, and everything in between for the entire month of December into January and didn't want to talk to anybody. You're the reason because it was your tactic to try to run the players up to this moment and hope they would fold. But you cannot act like you're surprised that you might miss out on spring training games and 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 actual real scheduled baseball games. And again, you're right. It's gamesmanship, but it's annoying. Like I, I, I've told you this before, Ed. You heard me say it earlier before we actually started recording the show. The one thing I hate more in the world People who will do something wrong or say something and then later on will say that they never said it or that they were always on the right side, who will sit there and try to convince you that over the last couple of years, they always believed this thing because what? Uh, public opinion changed? Those people drive me insane. I despise them, whether or not they're they're running a baseball team, running a union, they're a politician, or they're the guy up the street in the bar that I bump into every once in a while. So I, it drives me nuts when I see some of this rhetoric that comes out. I know it's gamesmanship, but it drives me nuts as a fan. It drives me nuts as a, as a person. Well, it should be driving every fan crazy right now. I, th- this is what should be driving the fans crazy, and, and that was, uh, you know, that's, that's the point I've kind of come to is if fan ire is cast off as, well, you're just worried, you know, you're just mad because you don't understand the money involved. You don't understand the issues. You don't understand how important this is. That's all bull, right? The, the, the whole thing that I think fans are mad about, because this is where I am. And I assume that I speak for literally everybody who's ever watched baseball they don't ever, ever at least admit that this is all of their own making. Whatever time frames, whatever things haven't gone right, it's just, it's on them. And it's fine, okay? We didn't expect them to come to a, an immediate agreement. We know these things can take some time, but you took months off. You didn't come to the table. Neither side was able to really do anything because no one was willing to do anything. And, and just... We know we're not stupid, and it's not 1994, 1995, when we are beholden to what a handful of writers can put out in the daily newspapers, can put out in magazines, you know, Sports Center, things like that. It just, we didn't have access to the information and the immediacy that we have now. We just, we know, we know within minutes if something is going to happen. And so the lack of information has been deafening this entire time. So we're not dumb we know you're just sitting on your hands not doing anything playing games mind try to play mind games stop it just stop here's the thing there's more information out there fans are smarter now they they are they're better versed and they have they have more options and i'll be honest with you i'll just go sit at ozinga field in crestwood and watch the thunderbolts 
until they come back. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Okay. There's plenty of plenty of places where I could put my entertainment dollar and have fun with the family. And you can you could just not have my money. I know we always say they don't care, but they have to care at some point. Because if they because if nobody ever goes again, they really don't make a lot of money in the future, right? Like if they kill their game, I mean, they're very short sighted here because I don't think they understand that in the long term, it hurts them all financially if they don't make this right and get a season in a full season. in, if they if they screw this up, it hurts them financially, everybody involved in some way. I, I think if owners are trying to look at history and say, the fans have always come back. Whatever baseball has gone through, the fans have always come back. If they're sitting there listening to the James Earl Jones in their head, and all of them baseball are suddenly named Ray, Ray you know, baseball Ray, baseball, baseball has Ray. stood. I do a terrible James Earl Jones, but you know, <laughs> it, it stood the test of time. If they expect fans to come back again, I mean, they just have to remember that not only do we have more options in terms of entertainment options in general, we've got you know things at our fingertips we didn't have, but. Even since the last time that this happened, other forms of entertainment have gotten more popular than what they were back then. I mean, I would submit to you that hockey in this country, at least in the city of Chicago in particular, got a bit more popular in the time that's gone on. So uh, pro wrestling got way more popular after the 1995 strike, right? That that didn't that happen true. until the end of the 90s. Right. You have... You know, we have access to more movies. We have access to more TV shows, streaming, binging. I mean, hell, uh, you know, this is a country that literally has the attention span also to only make people who are attractive for 10 seconds doing something <laughs> unoriginal on TikTok into multi-million dollar stars. Right, exactly. So if you think if you think we're worried about the four-hour baseball games, you, you got to get some perspective, guys, and understand where, where we're at as fans. I'm not saying that the hardcore fans wouldn't come back. Yeah, they really need to understand that that they cannot count on us just all coming back. 40,000 fans in the stands every single game from game one, especially if game one is July 15th. The Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network also has a podcast called Southside Pod. Covering the Southside, we have a lot of fun. Go to breweries, go to restaurants, and talk to the folks behind the Southside Irish Parade. That is back on March the 13th. Check out that interview at SouthsidePod.com and make sure you check us out at Cork and Cary in Beverly on the 13th. We're going to be out there. Come join us. 10614 Southwestern Avenue, the traditional Irish bar right there in the Beverly neighborhood and the place to be on parade day or any day right now in the season. I'm on my Guinness kick again and they pour a great one there. When it's warm outside, outdoor patio and bar, big screen TVs inside and outside, multiple event rooms for your next party. Make sure you check them out and when we finally get back to the ballpark, Before the game, the place to be, Cork and Carry at the park at 33rd in Princeton, an award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites. Why spend so much money in the park? Get your drink on, get your food on, pregame and postgame. And whenever the White Sox are not playing at home, including right now, two-for-one burgers when you dine in on a Monday. They are your home base for White Sox pregame and postgame, all your viewing parties, and they're open right now. You can go down there and get a feel. Get yourself warmed up just a little bit until we actually get baseball confirmed coming back. See more and book your next event for both venues at CorkandCarry.com.
On the line with us this uh, episode, we have Justin Salgado. He writes for Socks on 35th, and he's the only guy that really covers sports betting. The good news is you write this article, and it's like evergreen right now, because until somebody can add a player to their team, I don't think odds are going to move very much. So you wrote some of these future bets. Uh, you, you went out, you found them. These are bets that are out there, wagers people can make on White Sox games, on White Sox players. And right now, I don't think anything will move until you actually get the teams back and players are added, subtracted, moved around, right? Yeah, unless one player gets bet on like by a ton of people, you're not going to see any odds moving or anything like that. These are pretty much locked in odds until the lockout's over and you start seeing free agency and trades start happening again. But yeah, these uh, odds are locked in for uh, quite a bit of time, I'd imagine. Futures bets uh, remind everybody what these are. Basically, they're making a bet at the beginning of the season and they're waiting for an end result way down the line, right? Yeah, so for a futures bet for like a player award, you're going to make that bet before the regular season kicks off. I mean, you can honestly make those during the season as well but your odds are going to change significantly. Uh, and it's something that's not going to cash out, I believe, until November when the award winners are announced. So it's some pretty long-term stuff if you're betting uh, player awards. If you had to pick one right now, which one do you think is the best bet for White Sox fans who want to bet on their their own team, one of their own players, and see a payoff at the end of the year at MVP? Oh, if I'm making an MVP wager, it's got to be Luis Robert on the White Sox. Just all the adjustments he made in the second half of last year after he came back from that injury, completely different player. I think he hit like 350 or something like that. He uh, slugged like over 600. Just He's going to have all the counting numbers. And on top of that, he's an excellent base runner, and he's an amazing center fielder. So he's going to appeal to you know the old school writers that appreciate the counting numbers and the new age analytics crowd because he's going to have a high war because of his uh, excellent defense in center field. So Luis Robert, that's the slam dunk pick for me, at least if I'm betting any White Sox players to win an MVP. He's a big payoff if he gets the most home runs in, in, in the American League, if he leads the AL in, in home runs. And I keep looking at that sample size and extrapolating it out and saying he could have done that if he played all season last year, and he's getting he's getting big odds on that where you can you could turn around and make some money off of it because you know he didn't get to play the whole season and there are the more likely candidates out there that are higher up on the rankings. When you go out and you place a bet, is that what you're looking for, the big payoff or are you looking for the guy that you know is going to get the award or you know is going to make it to that mark? Do you do you lean towards the better odds for the bigger payoff or do you actually have in your mind, no, I think this guy's going to do it? So for myself, when I make a futures bet like that, if it's something I'm going to have to wait five or six months for a potential payout, I'm looking at value further down in the odds, you know, looking at your long shots to where I, I want the big payout. Robert would be an excellent bet for that at plus 7,000 odds, bet 107,000. If he gets off to a hot start, for example, like, Say he's in the top three in home runs uh, going into like July or in the into the All Star break. There's a potential for a cash out opportunity on these bets. A lot of these sports books, uh, if your player starts off hot or something, they'll offer you a cash out uh, during the season. I don't know if other people are like this, but myself, I I like a nice quick payout if uh, 
that's your game. Is there a futures bet right now that you're aware of that you were like, you couldn't wait to put your money down on it? Is, is there is there one involving a White Sox player that was like your your favorite one that you saw, you immediately went out, you placed a bet? Oh, man, when these came out probably about like three weeks ago, the one that jumped off the page to me was Dylan Cease to lead the, the MLB in wins. The guy, clean track record with regards to his health. He's a top 15 starter in baseball, and he's going to be on a White Sox team that's in a very weak division. If you look at the odds for uh, the American League Central this year, it's the White Sox at, as a minus 200 favorite which means you have to bet $200 just to win $100. And then it's just a cluster of the Tigers, Twins, and Guardians at uh, odds ranging from seven, plus 700 to plus 850. So Dylan C, he's going to be going against a lot of inferior competition. And with the White Sox lineup that's going to provide you know a bunch of run support, I see a lot of potential for him to lead the, American, or the MLB in wins this year. Awesome. Well, Justin Salgado covers sports betting for SoxOn35th.com. I think I'm going to go out and bet on uh, Luis Roberts' home run thing. I'm I'm doing that. I think he could could lead the league in home runs. I think he's going to have a monster year. Oh, I I think he's absolutely going to be in that mix. I'm a thousand percent on board with you there, Chris. Justin, I appreciate you jumping on. We'll talk to you during the season. All right. Thanks, Chris. Socks in the Basement fans, if you're looking to protect the people and assets in your life and your afterlife, estate plans, wills, trusts, powers of attorney, Village Law Offices wants to help you. They take care of probate, real estate closings, prenups, you got to have the prenup, small business services as well. Reach out at 847-656-3600 or stop by in Schaumburg at 1320 Tower Road. Check out all they have to offer at villagelawoffices.com. Seriously, between the lawyers, we've got the bars and the restaurants and the waterproofing. We got Butch Zemar from Elite Benefits of America still giving away $1,000 for the $1,000 guest bounty. You have until the end of this month to at least suggest and give us contact info for your entry, and it will air before March is over, and then we'll have the big vote. We'll give somebody $1,000 from Butch. Remember, he wants to help you with your insurance. If you have a business, you want to lower the cost for your employees, or if you want to impress the boss, check them out at EliteBenefits.net. Getting back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, uh, the, the betting lines were really interesting, but let's get back to that real quick. Remember after the 1919 Black Sox scandal, it took Babe Ruth to save baseball. And after the 94 strike, it took an awful lot of roid users to save baseball. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know that they're not testing for roids, so maybe they're already planning in advance for a big boost in home runs. Like, somebody's going to hit 85 of them. Yeah, isn't that interesting? You know, <laughs> They're not going to test for them anymore. They're gonna we, have, we might, we might yeah. have a delayed season. Yeah. We have a lockout. We have a lot of bad blood. Eh, steroid testing is up. Right, the, right. The somebody's hitting that. 85 home runs. And uh, somebody else is going to hit 82 of them, and it's going to be McGuire Sosa all over again. And then once they get right. everybody back, there'll be an investigation 10 years from now. Who knows? I mean, it's, it's possible. I'm just saying it's possible. But here, here's one of the things that they, or two of the things. I mean, I, if Adam Angle's head grows four sizes bigger <laughs> in spring training, 
and he overtakes the right field job because he becomes a superstar. I, I, right. You know, am I going to be upset? Right. No. No. Will I always point the finger at Luke Voigt of the Yankees as opposed to Adam Engel? Yes. Adam Engel. Um, Adam Engel walks out, uh, and suddenly he he looks like Luke Voigt. He's, yeah. he's just he's just a big lumbering guy in the outfield. If Nick Madrigal shows up to Cubs spring training and wears a yellow shirt, and people are like, "Hey, Charlie Brown," well, no. All right, listen, the, these guys uh, supposedly, according to Rob Manfred, they've already agreed to these things. Uh, and then you read reports where it's like, yeah, agreed is a strong word. I, I, this is why I hate this whole thing. But Universal DH has supposedly been agreed upon along with a draft lottery. Like they they basically said, we're in on that. And I don't think it's yeah. going to get pulled back. Okay. So if there is a Universal DH, what is the impact on the Chicago White Sox? And I would say right away, your mean Mercedes becomes a trade chip. Oh, 100%. Because you have an entire National League looking for a designated hitter. And that is just what he is. He's MLB ready to show up and be a designated hitter for a team in the National League. I would think Rick Hahn at least fields a phone call on him or possibly one of these other guys in the log jam that we've been talking about. We've got some hitters that instantly become uh, interesting to National League clubs if they have all of a sudden a bunch of DH spots to open up. That would be that would be a big thing, I think, for the White Sox. They should be able to make a move and acquire something in return for a DH. Yeah, it's. I think it's Yermin Mercedes. I think Jake Berger becomes more interesting to a number of teams because if you're looking for just a first baseman, third baseman out of him, now you could say, well, he's a bat. And we can DH him. And then they could always, you know, he could still work on, on his fielding and everything. He you could know, still be and, the second and, baseman and, of the future for somebody. Yeah. Right. Right, exactly. But I think I think you're mean. I think Jake Berger, honestly, I think it opens up more opportunity for them to trade Gavin Sheets if they want to go that route. I you know, I don't see them trading Andrew Vaughn because I think his value right now is about as low as it could get, considering he doesn't have the minor league track record to back him up, but uh that is where kind of I think they can they can start to separate the logjam and and it helps honestly because Craig Kimbrell's market isn't nearly as robust as I think Rick Hahn thought it was going to be and he doesn't have I mean you saw the reports too that the Sox minor league system is ranked very very poorly although you know there's there's hope for the the, the long term future they just don't have a lot of guys at the top level that they can turn around and spin into major league help right now so. It it is definitely a good thing, and I would I would think you're right that you know the Yerminator could end up in a in a National League ballpark very very easily, and the Sox might be able to get back something that they actually need for a guy like that more so than you know for a, an aging closer with you know frankly a spotty track record the past couple seasons well think about some of the proposals that we heard before everything's everything locked down right the idea of uh, segura coming over here from the phillies and possibly right. kimbrell being moved there but that there might be other players that would be involved jeff mcneil going to be available with the mets i mean these are two teams that if they need a little sweetener on top of what we're giving them your mean mercedes all of a sudden becoming something they would want all of a, I mean, like that, that right there could get a deal done. 
You, you might get back more than just one player. You might get the player you really want out of a deal because you're able to offer just that little bit more. I mean, I, I see him not as a one-for-one one trade. I see him all of a sudden included in a package that brings back either something you really, really need and you're excited about or a couple of guys that you're like, okay, I, this guy's going to be playing second base or, or right field or being that extra starting pitcher or going into the bullpen. And then you have this other guy here that's going to fill another role and you got this minor leaguer of the future that might come up. I mean, you you might be you might see a, a multiplayer deal, but his name all of a sudden becomes part of it if it's with a National League team. Now, it could also backfire. Like, you bring up Jeff McNeil. Part of the reason why Jeff McNeil is available is because Robinson Cano is going to come back and the Mets have nothing else they can do with him. But if they could DH Cano, right? Right. They might leave Jeff McNeil there as their second baseman. That's excluding any of the reports that the reason why they want to move Jeff McNeil is because he and Frankie Lindor hate each other's guts. If that's the case, he's still coming. I'm hoping that's the reason why they actually want to move him. Right, exactly. Like, yeah, that they want to move him because it's a, a personality issue. Right. Then it won't matter, you see. If right. that's the reason they want it, but you're right. You're going to have teams that were looking to move a guy that might sit there and say, well, do we really need to move him? Because we can just have him DH. On the other hand, do you think Jeff McNeil is going to produce more offensive pop than if Yermin Mercedes is on a team and getting regular at bats? That that's a debate to have right there, right? I mean, like you give me the Yerminator at the beginning before what some people think Tony messed him up. Tony didn't mess him up, but I let you get you get something out of him. You get a team that's excited about what they saw with him, and they're like, you know what? We think that this guy could actually be a contributor on our team. Then maybe they still move a guy like McNeil. Right. Because you're looking for the most offensive production. Well, and you get you get into things, too, like, for example, uh, with the Reds and Sonny Gray, where they've got, you know, they've got some some holes that the Sox couldn't previously fill because they're looking for a shortstop and the White Sox don't have one to give them or they're looking for some outfield help. And it's kind of speculative whether or not they would consider Andrew Vaughn or Gavin Sheets to be you know, a worthy contender for one of their outfield spots. But when they're looking for a DH, and if Joey Votto doesn't want a DH, and at this point, frankly, the Reds are probably just letting him do whatever he feels like doing. Right. Uh, but if if they might look at it and sit there and go, okay, well, yeah, your mean Mercedes is part of a package with, you know, some of these other guys that the Sox are willing to send along. He gives us somebody that, first of all, is – you know, bankable offense that we can put on the field right away in that DH role. Also, if he gets off to a really hot start, maybe we flip him to a, another National League contender. If we're we're at the bottom, uh, and you know the Padres are looking for an extra bat, it, you know as they're chasing, or the Giants are looking for an extra bat, we can flip your mean Mercedes for something even more. So th- there's a lot of things that can happen there. You know that that a team like that might be looking at too. Right, or you can go after a guy that would be Vado's eventual replacement. That you would be you would be open to like we talked about earlier, guys a corner infielder. We got lots of guys like that, right? I mean, we you'd be open to a bat that could eventually slide into that role, even if that guy's a DH for a year and then moves over. Like instantly, all these teams become American League teams. So the thinking changes as to wait, we can we can hold another player here because he is going to get regular at bats. And then he eventually takes over for this veteran whose contract's coming to an end. Much like how White Sox fans look at Jose Abreu right now. Like, he can do whatever he wants to because he's Jose Abreu and the team loves him. But eventually, Andrew Vaughn is probably the guy that takes over at first base. So, originally, remember, the plan is Vaughn would be the DH. And then, eventually, he would be basically playing first base more. And Abreu would either move the DH or end up 
you know, without a contract and moving on someplace else. You have no idea what their plan is long term there. So all of a sudden, these other teams are thinking like us, where they never used to think like us. And they're not set up to think like an American. They, they don't they don't draft corner outfielders with bad gloves. They don't draft corner infielders with with bad gloves or or positionless bats. They don't sign those guys that often because a National League team still needs to develop the bench guy, right? They still need that that Larry Garcia type, quite frankly, where it's a guy that comes off and can play the field and has to be part of a double switch and stuff like that. So if they don't have to do that anymore, it certainly, you know, it certainly does open up for an American League team to offload some of these extra bats that they're not going to end up using. I'm telling you, once Manfred said what he said, ears perked up both in the National League and the American League, like, okay, this is on. What are we doing if this is on? You know, and I, I believe these general managers, they lock the players out. I don't think there's a rule where they can't really talk to each other. I don't think they're getting into trouble if they don't talk to each other. So I'm sure they sit there and they say, when this thing is over, what do you think about this? Like, that's what I'm hoping is going to happen here. Like, I'm expecting the first 72 hours after the lockout to be this insane amount of moves being made. Like, multi-team trades. You're not going to be able to keep up. Oh, You're not going to be able to keep up. You're going to see three-team and four-team trades because they've had nothing but time on their hands. Like, think about how much time you have on your hands to think about what the White Sox are going to do when this is over. Then imagine you're in charge of a Major League Baseball team and you can't do anything except just think up scenarios. It's your job. It's literally your job to sit there and you can't do your job. Right. I mean, you're on the toilet coming up with ideas. You're in the shower coming up with ideas. You're dropping off the kids at school coming up with ideas. You're you're two in the morning. You wake up, you ring a guy from another team. You're like, have you thought about this? I mean, that's what you're doing and you have nothing else to be concerned about right now. I mean, it, look, if, if I sit around and make fake trades when I'm in the shower, Rick Hahn does it too. Except I hope he has a phone in the shower so while he's sitting there and he's kind of scrubbing himself, if he gets a good idea, he can make a phone and make a move immediately so he doesn't miss out. Right, so where the rest of us just have a shower beer holder, you're saying he's got a phone holder? Well, maybe he's got a beer holder too. Oh, it could be. Did you think we would talk about Rick Hahn in the shower before the show is over? No, I never think we're going to talk about Rick Hahn in the shower before the show is over. I think about it before and after the show. <laughs> Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.